which was presented to the Reverend Wilson in 1871. Just a couple of announcements to make. Uh, remember that this Sunday morning at 11 o'clock the prayer meeting will be held as usual in the minor hall. And next Sunday morning service will be led and conducted by the Reverend Colin Harris. And just by way of advance announcements, Sunday the 5th of June, Mark Annett will be leading that service and that will be uh, a service that will uh, make an acknowledgement of Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Year. And then on Sunday the 12th of June, the Reverend Colin Harris will be back here and that will be uh, take the form of our Children's Day. Just also to say that uh, just a wee word for key holders or anybody accessing the church building, just to say we demand making sure that the building is secured uh, after you leave, please. Uh, just whenever I arrived this morning, the church hall was left open. And it's just to say that we do have a little ongoing issue here uh, under the link between the church and the graveyard. For, there's a bit of a congregation on some evenings uh, of young people. And it's just to keep our building safe and secure that in the event of a wet night or a stormy night that we don't have uh, other folk wanting to make access or claim a little place of safety in the church building uh, just to keep everyone safe. And just also to say that after the benediction today, I'm going to ask you all just to take your seats again and remain seated with them and invite uh, Scott Wilson to come and say a few words and make a presentation after the service. These are all announcements that I hand you to the Reverend Alex Chambers to conduct the remaining part of the service. Thank you very much, David, for your very warm words of welcome as always. It's nice to see those who are uh, gathered in today, and uh, I'm very thankful for the invitation to come. Apologies that I was unable to come on the last occasion because I was unwell. I'm so delighted to be able to come today, and we trust that the Lord will bless us, especially on what's a very special occasion indeed in the congregation here. Isaiah chapter 53 is the best known, probably the best known chapter in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is probably the best known chapter in the whole book of Isaiah. 700 years at least before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah very graphically described cross, describing the Lord Jesus Christ as the man of sorrows. And no doubt today many of us could actually repeat many of the verses in that passage. But I wonder, did you ever take notice of a verse that comes in the chapter before? Isaiah chapter 52. And here's what the prophet Isaiah said, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. So even before Isaiah spoke of the humiliation and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, he reminds us that he is the one who would be exalted. 
As the book of Hebrews tells us, he is crowned with glory and honor. And as we meet today in his name, we remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is highly exalted, who sits at God's right hand. Now we're going to sing our opening praise today. We have come into his house. The words will be on uh, the screens, I'm sure. I hope so anyway. There we come. So we're going to stand as we sing together. Thank you. We have come into his house. Father, we thank thee for these words that we have been singing together, because they're true. We have come into your house to magnify your name and worship. we thank you for these words that we've reminded ourselves of from thy word from the prophet so long ago 
that the Lord Jesus Christ would not only be a man of sorrows, one who would take our place, one who would suffer and bleed and die. But Lord, we thank thee that the prophet reminded us that he would be high and exalted and lifted up. Lord, we, we rejoice today in this fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. He sits, thy word tells us, at the right hand of God. And we find thee that thy word says that someday he will come again for his own believing people. Lord, we give thee thanks that we've been able to gather together in this house today. And probably now we realize more even the privilege it is to be able to meet as we are meeting today. When we consider, Lord, for, for such a long time, due to various regulations, we were unable to meet. Lord, what a blessing today to be able to come and to meet together for public worship. And Father, we think today, and we must think today, of those who do not have this great privilege. We're inclined to take it so much for granted. And yet, Lord, we think today of those who live in countries where it's very, very difficult to name the name of Christ. To take a place of being a Christian. To meet together for public worship. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters today who are persecuted for their faith. And we ask, O oh God, that thou wilt strengthen them and bring relief and freedom and deliverance even to them. So, Father, we, we just commit ourselves to thee today. Grant that we may be able to lay aside all of the things that have taken up our attention, even legitimate things. And we pray, Lord, for this little time we'll be able to concentrate on those things that are spiritual and eternal. So, Lord, we pray that thou wilt hear and answer prayer today for Jesus' sake. some verses to you today from the Word of God, and our reading today is taken from the book of Genesis, obviously the very first book of the Bible, and we're going to turn to Genesis and the chapter number uh, 24. So Genesis chapter 24, and we're, we're going to read a few verses. Now this is rather a long passage, and in reality we would really need to uh, read it all. But we'll not take time to do that today. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick up 
just a little section. And when we pick up that section, hopefully that will give us the story that is told in all of this passage of the scripture. So we're turning to Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to begin our reading at verse 42. Now these are the words of the servant of Abraham, who has been sent out on a very important mission. You might say a very strange mission, but a very important mission. And that mission is to find a wife for his son Isaac. So the speaker is the servant of Abraham who has been sent on this very important mission. So Genesis chapter 24, and beginning to read at verse 42. Here's what he says. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, Drink, and I draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finish praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, Please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor. The Miltar bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arm, and I bowed down and bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has demanded. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, Send me on my way to my master. 
But her brother and her mother replied, Let the girl remain with us ten days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me, now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way, so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. We remind ourselves that this is God's word, and God will bless to us the public reading of that word. And boys and girls, have a little look around. I see some of you. It's so unfortunate, boys and girls, these days. It used to be we could bring you all up to the front and then, oh, here's some gear I hadn't seen. We used to be able to bring you all up. That, that seems such a distant memory now. But we used to bring you up here and you sat at the front and I went down there and spoke to you. But we just can't do that. But hopefully, very, very soon, we'll be able to do that. But I'd like to speak to the boys and girls, even though sometimes I can't see them all. But I want to ask you a question, boys and girls. Does anybody like to go fishing? It's a good job the people in the front row are well away, or somebody fell asleep down here. Anybody like to go fishing? Any fishing people? Yes, there's a young man there, nobody else. Well, I remember in days of the past there were lots of men about the flag. Maybe the men are, are afraid to put their hand up today. But I remember years ago there used to be quite a lot of men in Rathfrayland who liked to go fishing. And I spent a lot of time standing along the river van with them there and down there at Loch Island Reef. But boys and girls, forget all about this fishing rod. Here's how I like to go fishing. And hopefully the men will be able to show us a picture. There we are. Okay, now that's how I like to go fishing. That's, that's really going fishing. And I'm in that picture, even though you can't actually see me, but I'm really there. Uh, or else the boat's just going by remote control. You know, many of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were fishermen. But not only were they fishermen, boys and girls, they liked to go fishing. They liked to go fishing. It was a job that they liked. And one day when some of the disciples were by the Sea of Galilee, Peter, who very often was a spokesman and a leader among the disciples, Peter said to them, I think I go fishing. And right away, all of them jumped at the chance and they said, we're going to go as well. So off they got, they got into a boat and they sailed out onto the Sea of Galilee and they fished all night. I wonder, do you know how many fish they caught, boys and girls? Absolutely none. 
zero, none at all. So they, they worked all night and they cast their nets and they hauled them in. They never caught a fish, not a fish. That's very often the experience of fishermen, of course. And so they, they're coming in, they're sailing in on their boat, just as it's coming to daylight, just as it's coming to dawn. And as they come very near the shore, they, they see somebody on the shore. That there's a man standing there. And when they get close enough, the man speaks to them. And, and he says, did you catch any fish? And of course they had to say no. And then he made a very strange request to them. He said, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you'll catch fish. And so right away they cast the net out and there were so many fish in the net they weren't able to haul it in. And we're going to see a picture of what it's like to see a lot of fish in a boat, I hope. There we go. Okay. I'm in that picture too, but I'm hiding. <laughs> so there's lots and lots of fish. Now they didn't catch as many as, as is in this boat, of course. 153 very big fish, but there were so many fish that, that it would have caused their boat almost to sink. And suddenly it dawned upon them who the person was that I had spoken to them from the shore. Now it was amazing. It was amazing. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew that he had been crucified. And they knew that he had died. And they knew that he had been buried. But here he was, very much alive. Very much alive. And boys and girls, this is one of the many times that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to his disciples to prove to them that he had risen from the dead so that they would be witnesses to tell others like you and me that the Lord Jesus Christ really rose from the dead. And because the Lord Jesus went to Calvary and died and because he rose again then he's able to save us from our sins when we trust in him. So I hope I haven't started something now that all the boys or girls will want to go fishing and all the parents will blame me for that. Remember, the Lord Jesus is risen from the dead. We're going to sing a hymn together, boys and girls. Uh, he's got the whole world in his hand. I hope all the boys and girls will sing out very, very well as we have the words
thanks today that thy word assures us that thine ear is ever open to our cry. And so we ask thee, Lord, that as we come today, that thou wilt hear our cry, hear our prayer. We pray today, O God, for the work and witness in this house, especially, Lord, on this day when we are thinking about the, the ministry here down through many generations. We thank thee, Lord, for those who faithfully served thee and who proclaim thy word and for the work and witness that has been carried on here for many generations. And Father, we pray that all of us will be even made more zealous to stand in the gap in our own generation and to carry on that work and witness in this house. We pray for thy servant who is overseeing this congregation at this time. And we ask, O oh God, that thou wilt bless him and undertake for him as he, as he has responsibilities and duties to carry out here, as well as sometimes preaching from this pulpit. We ask, O oh God, that thou wilt bless him and help him. And remember, Lord, those who have been appointed by the congregation to serve in positions and the eldership and on the church committee and those Lord who lead organizations and Sunday school we just ask oh God that thou will bless each one and grant Lord that the work of the Lord might prosper even in this place and that Lord this might be a place where many 
will be brought to personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, as we meet today, we remember, Lord, even in this continent of Europe, there is a war going, ongoing, a vicious and cruel war costing the lives of many, many people. But Father, we thank Thee that Thou art the one who rules in the kingdoms of men. And so, Lord, in this situation we pray that Thou wilt be pleased to overrule. And grant, Lord, that Thou wilt bring peace and blessing to that country of Ukraine once again. We pray, Lord, for those who are in positions of authority and leadership and the responsibility that they have in these days. We pray that they may be guided aright as to what they ought to do. We fear, Lord, that many of our leaders have little thought of thee or thy word. But we ask, O oh God, that thou wilt even draw near to them and give them wisdom in what they ought to do, even in this situation. And Father, we are saddened today when we think of laws being forced upon us. And Father, we just pray that thou wilt undertake. How easily, Lord, today do men call evil good and good evil. And so, Father, we just pray today, even for the life of the unborn child, that it might be protected. We ask, O oh God, that men might realize the truth of thy word, even in relation to this matter. Father, we just pray that thou wilt hear and answer prayer for us today, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to sing another hymn together in Christ alone. Very well known. <laughs>
if you'd like to open your Bible, if you have it with you, if you'd like to open your Bible uh, to Genesis chapter 4 and to that little section that we, we read to you earlier. It, it started out as a poem written by Robert Tannehill and it became a Scottish folk song the grace of Paul Porter. In its modern reincarnation, it became wild mountain time or purple heaven. And it became a very famous song which has been recorded by a great number of people whose names, or many of them, their names would be instantly recognized by us because they're very, very famous. But perhaps its best-known title, it's one that's given to it from a line that's repeated in every verse and in the chorus. Will ye go Lassie, go. Now why do I mention that song? Well that in essence is what this passage that we have read today is all about. That line from the song would not be out of place. Will ye go, lassie? Go. Because if you look at Genesis chapter four, or 24 and verse 58, Rebecca is asked a question. Will ye go with this man? Will ye go, lassie, go? Will ye go with this man? So here is a young woman, Rebecca, and she's faced with a decision. It's no small decision. It's a very, very big decision. And I want us to think about that decision for a moment or two today. Will you go with this man? First of all, it was a plain decision that confronted her. There was no doubt what was involved. There's no doubt what she was being asked to decide. Abraham's servant, even in our quick reading of this passage we can see, made the situation abundantly clear. The passage tells us that he was brought to Rebecca's house and we're told that they set food before him. If you look at verse 33, we didn't read this verse. But if you look at that verse, then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. So he set about telling the whole story. He had been sent to look for a wife for Isaac. He told them how he believed the Lord had led them, had led him, 
and how he believes Rebecca was the, the one. And he brought his whole speech to a climax with a challenge to Laban and to Bethuel. And you find that challenge there in verse number 49. They, he said to them, Now if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. So he said to them, here's the situation. Tell me what your response is. And of course their response is recorded in verse 50. They answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing one way or, or, or the other. So the whole situation was crystal clear. Nobody could misunderstand. It was absolutely plain what was going on. And it was just as plain to Rebecca what was being asked of her. She was being asked to agree to go with Abraham's servant and become Isaac's wife. You know, if Abraham's servant thought that the message he had to deliver was so important that he wouldn't even take time to eat then how earnest we should be today in spreading the message of the gospel the message that our master one greater than Abraham has given for us to tell to men and women because men and women's eternal destiny rests upon how they respond to that. And so how earnest we ought to be about that. And what is that gospel message? What is it today? Is it not simply this way you go with this man? Not with the servant of Abraham, but will you go with this man, Jesus Christ, Will you be joined to him by faith? And that's the decision that the gospel message puts upon every man and woman. And that's the challenge that the gospel message brings to all who hear it. So it was a plain decision that confronted her. Here's the second thing. It was a personal decision that confronted her. We're all familiar with the, the term arranged marriage. The decision who a person marries is taken by somebody else. The brain and groom have really nothing to say about it. Now it's not practiced, of course, in, in our culture, but it is still practiced in certain places in the world. And when we look at this story, we might say to ourselves, this is a sort of an arranged marriage here. I mean, Isaac himself wasn't even here. He never had set eyes upon Rebecca. Somebody else has set out to get a wife for him. And it appeared at the beginning 
that Rebecca's family were making all the decisions. I mean, the servant asked them first of all, and, and they, they gave agreement. But in the end of the day, in the end of the day, ultimately, the decision was Rebecca's and Rebecca's alone. And that's what our text today is all about. Will you go with this man? Will you go? It doesn't matter what your brother says or your mother says, or it doesn't matter what anybody else says. What do you say? Will you go with this man? The men and women and young people today, deciding for Christ is a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Nobody else can do it for us. It's not something that our father or mother or brother or sister or minister, or pastor, or priest can do for us. Something we have to do for ourselves. That's the something we have to do for ourselves. And the emphasis today is as it was all those years ago. Will you go? Will you go? Will you have Christ? That's the message do you notice her response here? She said, I will go. And today each and every one of us must look into our own hearts and say, what has our response been? Our personal response, what has it been to the challenge of the gospel? And what will that challenge or what will that response be today? So it was a, a plain decision. It was clear enough what was happening. And it was a personal decision. But you know this passage tells me it was a pressing decision. Remember, we have read that Abraham's servant got consent. His family seemed to be all in favour of him. And so he went to bed a very happy man. He had his meal. And he went to bed, he and the men that were with him. And he got up the next morning, just ready for the journey home again. Quick turn around and back again. And that's where we pick up the story. If you look at it. So we read verse 54, Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, when they got up the next morning, he said, Send me on my way to my master. But, never a good word to be introduced. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us ten days or so. Then you may go. It wasn't that they didn't want her to go. But they didn't want her to go immediately. 
wanted to stay 10 days. And probably after 10 days, I wanted her to stay another 5 days. So it might have gone on. And notice how the Abraham's servant responded. He said, send me on my way. And so how did they resolve the matter? He wanted to go immediately. They wanted the girl to stay for a while. How did they resolve it? They said, let's ask her. Let's ask Rebecca. And that's really what this question that we've highlighted today is all about. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. They cast the onus on Rebecca. Will you go? Will you go immediately? And she said, I will go. And men and women today, let us never forget this. That seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and coming to him is not something for later. It's something for now. The Bible says we're to seek the Lord while he may be found. And there's a strong implication there. We must seek him while he may be found, for the time will come when we'll not be able to seek him. Seeking the Lord Jesus Christ is not something for tomorrow. It's something for today. There's an urgency about it. And what could be more pressing or urgent? What could be a greater priority than this in making sure that our soul is saved for time and for eternity? But you know, finally, this was a promising decision that confronted her. A promising decision. I would encourage you to take time to read all a little bit in this passage. To see how the thing unfolded. They, they set off. Rebecca with some companions and the man and the men who came with him. They, they set off and they, they came to Isaac's home. What happened then? Did he say, look at that woman that that man has picked for me. I don't like her, send her back. If you read on through this passage, you'll see that the Bible says that, that Isaac married Rebekah. She became his wife and he loved her. What happens when a man or woman comes to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there any chance that Christ will say, I don't want that one? No, I don't, don't. Look at that person that's done that. I can't proceed then. Absolutely not. The Bible says, and the words of the Savior himself tell us, that all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no ways cast. Isn't that a wonderful thing? 
saves all who come by faith to him. That's the wonderful message of the gospel. You know, when I was looking at this passage uh, yesterday, there was something struck me about it. We, we have in this a picture of the experience of every believer. Like Rebecca, we have heard of one we have never seen. And yet, we came to him. And you know, thinking of that, I remembered the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. The other apostles told him, Christ has risen, we have seen him. He said, I will not believe unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand. Remember how the Lord Jesus Christ appeared and he saw the nails and Thomas was convinced and that's when the Lord Jesus Christ said these words because ye have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed and that's us today We have never seen him with the physical eye. But we have heard from reliable witnesses concerning him. And as a result of that, we have believed on him. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, we are blessed because of that. Here's how Peter puts it. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And that great truth, I believe, is illustrated in this passage. Will you go with this man? Will you go, Lassie? Go. May the Lord bless us word today to all our hearts. We're going to sing a hymn together. A very well-known hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs there.
again for the opportunity of being able to be here. We ask, Lord, that thou wilt bless each one of us. And bless thy word as it goes forth everywhere today. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt continue with us now uh, as we have this special occasion in, in the next moments. And we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with us all. Amen. Now you're asked please to take your seats for a few moments. Uh, David Scott will be coming forward and he'll be conducting uh, proceedings from this point on. Uh, it's lovely to see you all who are here today. I, I won't be going to the door today, but I will be here at the front if anybody wants to, to speak to me about anything. They're welcome to come up and speak to me afterwards. David, we'll hand over now to you. Thank you so much. Well, folks, thanks again uh, to uh, Alec for conducting and leading our service this morning. Uh, we're always very appreciative of your time here, Alec. And thank you again. And also thanks to Ronald for stepping in to play the organ and piano this morning. Very grateful, Ronald, and thank you for that. And that's such a bargain, too. Very much appreciate it. Folks, it's not my intention to keep us uh, too long this morning, uh, but I did want to take a few moments just to pay tribute and give thanks uh, for. Uh, making contact with uh, Mr. John Scott Wilson here all the way from Canada. And then most of you know me whenever an email arrives to me and there's a possibility of a gift returning. Well, I'm a typical Mr. Scott will take with both hands. But Scott and I have struck up a great friendship uh, by email and we're delighted to have him here when he uh, made the indication that he could be here possibly in the spring or summertime of 2022. Well, I certainly encourage that. So. Thanks to you, Scott, for making and reaching out to, to us. And we're delighted that you're here this morning to represent uh, a clock which was presented to uh, your great grand uncle, uh, the Reverend James Wilson, who you will see now on the screen. A very faithful minister here in this congregation for the best part of 51 years. I'm looking through the uh, Miller books from the past, and uh, just to give you a snapshot of the man himself, uh, on, on, the, on the back of a presbytery visitation back in 1877, it said that they found the congregation in great heart, and the efficiency of the, and the faithfulness of the Reverend James Wilson to the congregation, and was, he was much loved by the members of his flock. He goes on to talk about his contribution since the last visitation made to the congregation and the work that had progressed. Uh, a suitable month had been purchased and the uh, gallery had been rebuilt and the Sabbath School Hall uh, was in need of repair, was needed to be rebuilt also. But then going on to uh, another minute which takes us to uh, a very sombre moment, and I'll read it to you, and it's the minutes of session and committee, and to the regard of the death of the Reverend James Wilson on the 12th of September 1914. And this is what it says in another word. The session and committee desire to place on record their deep regret at the death of their beloved senior minister, the Reverend James Wilson. They recall with great thankfulness to Almighty God, the long and able ministry of Dr. Wilson. He being almost of 51 years minister 
of First Rutherland being ordained on the 29th of September 1863. His exemplary life and character, his clear and able presentation of Bible truth, and his deep interest in the spiritual welfare of every member of the church, his acceptable visits to the sick room and the houses of mourning, each member found him to be a warm friend and a wise counsellor. During Dr. Wilson's ministry, the church building was renovated, a new heating apparatus installed, a beautiful and glorious hall erected, and the graveyard in Norris. All these improvements uh, were attested trying to his devotion, zeal, and energy in the temporal affairs of the church. The desire to express the profound sympathy with his friends whom they wanted to God for all comfort. They desire that a copy of this minute be put on the session book and also sent to Mr. Moses Wilson with the request that he will forward it to other surrounding members of the family, signed the moderator of the church of session. And that minute was signed on the 8th of October. 1914. She had also stated that, as I mentioned there, Mr. Moses Wilson, he was the brother of the Reverend James Wilson, and he was the man that brought banking to Rathfrayland, bringing the Belfast Bank here to the town many, many years ago. And as Alec rightly said in the minister's room prior to his meeting this morning, if only we could have him back today, maybe we'll get the banks back in both Kilkeel and Rathfrayland. Nonetheless, it's, it's my pleasure now to invite uh, Scott to come forward just to say a few words to make the formal presentation of the talk back to the congregation for safekeeping and then I'll come back and we'll conclude our morning service. Scott. Um, David, thanks very much. Um, when I first reached out to uh, David, I was uh, very impressed with the enthusiasm with which he uh, received the offer to bring this family heirloom back home to the church where it belongs. Um, the Reverend James, Dr. Uh, James Wilson, was born in 1840 at Dine Hill in County he was one of six brothers, um, the third brother, the fifth brother being my great-grandfather, uh, John Wilson, and as reference, uh, the youngest brother was Moses Wilson, who eventually became uh, chairman of Belfast Bank. Um, the Reverend James Wilson and his wife, uh, Harriet Eleanor McClenahan, also a member of an uh, important family in Rath Island. Uh, unfortunately, we're not blessed with family. Um, Harriet passed away about two years after they were married, uh, with um, And so the family heirlooms, of which this pop is one, came down eventually through uh, another line to my aunts, who were all in Newcastle. Um, and then when they passed, 
it came to my parents in Nova Scotia, in Canada. And when they passed, it came to me in Whitehorse, in the Yukon Territory of Canada. So it has done a few miles, and it now has uh, thankfully and rightfully returned to the church here in Rathmore Island. I'm very pleased to have uh, been able to bring it here in person, and I thank you for the invitation to come to the uh, service today. And um, we look forward to being in the church and in memory of uh, Dr. Wilson for a long time to come. I would just like to read you the inscription on the clock. To the Reverend James Wilson from the teachers of the First Rev. Island Congregational Sabbath School, dated November 1871. So, without further ado... Scott, and as I said earlier, it's good to see Scott here following in the footsteps of uh, the late Dr. Reverend James Wilson. We're delighted to accept the talk back here uh, in the same home as Scott, and we thank you for uh, making the offer and to ensure that it is brought back here to the congregation, which the Reverend James obviously loved and had a good time for the people here, and it will be well cared for and will be found in a very prominent place where we'll be reminded of his great ministry and indeed his legacy lives on here in this church building as you can see for yourself so thank you as we prepare to close we just uh, bow our heads in prayer and then we'll be free to leave uh, the church building let us pray Heavenly Father we just take this opportunity now Lord to give you thanks for this year day we give you thanks Father God for the opportunity that each of us has had to come here today to uh, publicly worship with one another. We give you thanks, Father God, for each family represented and for each head bowed in this building today. We ask you, Father God, to continue to bless each and every one. We ask you, Father God, to look out and to care for each family as you have done for generations before and for generations to come. We thank you, Father God, for bringing Scott amongst us this morning. We thank you for him. We thank you, Lord, that he reached out to us, the congregation here where his hatred uncle was a faithful minister for 51 years. We give you thanks for that great legacy of work. And we pray, Father God, that we will have the same desire to work for you in this place, to ensure that souls are one for the kingdom. And we ask your hand of blessing upon each one. We ask you now, Father God, to remain with us as each of us prepare to travel to each of our respective homes. We pray, Father God, for the, the ministry and the lessons and the message that was presented to us earlier. And we pray, Father God, that as each of us sit around the dinner table today, Lord, that church will not just be an event which we bring to today, but that we have an opportunity for to talk about and think about and to explore the message that was presented before us today, that we will learn, grow, and become stronger in our each personal faith and walk with you for each of these things we ask and through the name of your son Jesus Amen
Thank you.